You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves the Timberwolves site on the Fanside Network. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We are um, only a couple days away from the Timberwolves returning to action. Thursday night, of course, they're in New Orleans. Um, here a couple days after the All-Star break, trade rumor season is beginning to heat up. Talked pretty extensively on Monday's show. If you missed it, go back and listen to that show about uh, some of the latest Timberwolves rumors surrounding John Collins, Aaron Gordon, um, Larry Nance Jr., some of those ongoing rumors and dove into those just a little bit. So be sure to go back and listen to Monday's show. Today, um, mostly just going to play, I had a conversation with Matt Shook of Lockdown Pistons, and he wanted me to to come on to Lockdown Pistons and talk about the Wolves uh, the rest of the season. And, and you know, the Pistons, of course, are three games ahead of the Wolves or have, a, have three games, uh, three more wins than the Timberwolves at this stage. And he was wondering, basically, hey, is there any chance the Wolves um, have a better end to the season. The Pistons could end up behind the Wolves in, in the reverse standings, if you will. And so he asked me some questions related to that. I asked him a few Pistons questions towards the end of the conversation to just get a sense for where they're at, of course, coming into the trade deadline as well. So it's really just kind of a check-in, kind of state of the Pistons, state of the Wolves conversation. Um, so I, I cover a variety of topics, just just things that Matt and Pistons fans were wondering about the Wolves. So I'll play that here in just a minute. That'll be the majority of today's show as we kind of gear up here for, um, for the start of the second half for the Timberwolves. There isn't much to report on the Timberwolves front. Otherwise, um, I'll just hit a couple of quick notes here initially off the top. Um, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to Lockdown Wolves anywhere you get podcasts. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, um, as well as, I don't know, really anywhere. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and also at BBeacon. That's BBeacon, two Bs, two Es, CK. E-N. Okay. No major new rumors out there. Um, of course, the Wolves are returning to to practice this week as they prepare for the second half of the season. Um, league-wide, same thing. I mean, usually the day or two after the All-Star break is fairly quiet. Um, the Timberwolves are getting a little bit more attention as one of just a handful of teams with open roster spots. Um, and so there's some conversation about, you know, what players coming out of the G League bubble, which now they're in the playoffs there. There's also a handful of players who have 10-day contracts that are expiring, including Tyler Cook, who played eight games for the Wolves in the G League bubble and was on the Timberwolves training camp roster, appeared in a preseason game as well. Um, There are three players on the Nets that have 10-day deals, Tyler Cook, Iman Shumpert, and Andre Roberson, Roberson, excuse me. Um, The Pelicans, Raptors, Lakers, Kings are all teams that have guys on 10-day deals. They're all still on their first 10-day deal and are eligible, of course, for a second. Um, and the Wolves are one of uh, 10 or so teams that have an, a, have a roster spot open on their other active roster. The Timberwolves also have a two-way deal open. So lots of names to keep an eye on. Who knows if Tyler Cook would be an option. I'd mentioned on Monday's show also when I covered the uh, the Iowa Wolves performance. They went 2-13 and 13 in the G League bubble. Talked a little bit about the possibility of um, somebody like Charlie Brown Jr., who's a former two-way player for the Atlanta Hawks, had a solid performance in the G League bubble, a, a wing defender type guy. 
Could he be someone the Wolves could look at in their second two-way deal moving forward? Of course, they had waived Ashton Hagens a few weeks ago after he violated health and safety protocols in the G League bubble. Um, so that'll be a story to keep an eye on. And, and I close Monday's show by basically acknowledging I, I'd be surprised if the Wolves actually brought someone in until the trade deadline on the 25th. We're now, I think that's two weeks from this Thursday. Um, so we're still you know, a little over two weeks away. And the Wolves want to maintain maximum flexibility. Um, especially with that 15th and final active roster spot. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of rumors come out around the Wolves. Um, Again, on Monday's show, talked a lot more about some of those bigger names, Aaron Gordon, Larry Nance Jr., John Collins. There was some steam at the end of last week, and I I forgot to mention this on Monday's show, but Darren Wolfson had said, I believe on his podcast um, with Score North, that, uh, that... John Collins and his camp, his agency, his agents think that he would be a great fit with Towns. Now, of course, if he comes to Minnesota for two months and, and is just just goes all out and, you know, it's gangbusters with Minnesota, with Collins and Towns, that's going to allow Collins to get paid more in the offseason, whether that's the full max that he's seeking or something between what the Hawks offered him, which was like four years and roughly 90, 92, 94 million, something like that prior to this season. If Collins comes out and gets to play next to Towns and puts up big numbers, then he's got a much better shot at getting that max deal this offseason. So that could be why Collins would be open to a trade to Minnesota. Of course, the Wolves would really struggle to pay him a max deal when they've got Russell and Towns under max deals already. And something tells me that Collins wouldn't be excited to settle for the Timberwolves um, unless he comes to Minnesota, loves it, and they and they crush it in the months of April and May if he gets traded to Minnesota. But it's not like he's the Wolves would get a discount to sign Collins, and then you're trading whatever assets it takes to get him, and you let him walk for nothing. So that's the the, the problem with acquiring Collins is is all of that. Unless the Wolves are able to move move Rubio and they're able to move Ed Davis and Culver and some of these other bigger deals, you could theoretically make the space, but you better not miss on those moves on the periphery. And, and that's where the Wolves have had trouble with bringing in role players that, that can fill their roles at um, a modest cost. Um, unless you believe that some of these young guys, the Jalen Noels and the Jared Vanderbilts and the you know Jaden McDaniels can get thrown in there, Nas Reed, Jordan McLaughlin. If you think those guys can be real rotation players on a team that's got Beasley, Towns, Russell, Collins, and it's basically all offense, but you've got enough from those those cheaper, younger role players, then you know that's something you roll the dice on, and that could be something Gerson Rosas is willing and and potentially able to do moving towards the trade deadline. So, all of those things surrounding those big names, some potential fringe moves are going to be talked about in the next couple of weeks here at Lockdown Wolves. I'd be shocked if the Wolves didn't make a move. I'd also be a little bit surprised, quite honestly, if they were able to make a massive move like a John Collins type trade simply because of their lack of assets and also salary matching is is the other thing. So, And not only that, there's a ton of teams that are buying right now. The Wolves are one of only a few teams that really aren't in the playoff picture. Pretty much everyone else with the playing games for the 9 and 10 season, both conference conferences, has a shot at the postseason. And so the Wolves have plenty of competition trying to land some of these bigger names. Um, so all all important to keep an eye on. Of course, we'll talk about that throughout the rest of this week and as we pull within two weeks of the deadline. Um, but I do want to get to the conversation I had with Matt Shook of Lockdown Pistons. Again, this is running on Lockdown Pistons feed as well. And uh, the first few questions he's asking me about the state of the Wolves. So if you want, if you want to hear my thoughts on the state of the Wolves, that's what's coming up um, from a, you know, questions from a, a Pistons podcast. And then I'll ask him a few questions about the Pistons as well and players that they may be looking to trade or or think they'll be able to trade come the deadline here in a couple of weeks. So we'll get to that next. First, though, let's talk about our title sponsor for today's show, and that is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. 
Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person at the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Betting on the NBA does not have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the brand new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's Lock of the day. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Okay, so without further ado, let's get to the conversation between myself and Matt Shook, the host of Locked On Pistons. Here's Matt. All right, and now we're being joined by Ben Beacon of Locked On T-Wolves and two teams that we didn't really know coming into the season. I guess that the first game of the season ended up uh, having more consequence than we thought. But first off, Ben, thanks for joining us here on All-Star Sunday night. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, I guess we were talking before we started. The game's going on right now, but it gets into the second quarter and third quarter, and it's just really not... To me, anyway, not not super interesting anymore. So we decided to hop on here, and uh, we'll see how things wrap up in the fourth quarter. But two franchises here that have absolutely nothing to do with All-Star Sunday, although you guys had at least one recognition this past weekend. Yeah, Anthony Edwards was on the, I guess, the uh, the nominal, uh, you know, the the Rising Stars roster. He would have been on the, on the I guess, the U.S. team um, is how they do it now. But it would have been nice to have that game. I understand why they didn't do it, but yeah. And, and there was no, I don't think there were any Timberwolves representatives last year. I guess Josh Akogi was in the rising stars game. It's, it's basically been, um, you know, the last couple of years have been not a whole lot. And when was the last time the Pistons had an all-star? It's, it's been a little while, right? Well, Blake, Blake two years ago oh, yeah, okay. in eighteen nineteen. So I guess the 19 all-star game and we're the same. We had Svi Mikhailuk in the, uh, rising stars last year as kind of a, a bit player in that one. But yes. And, uh, did Towns make it last year that I'm like several years up until this year? I'm yeah. Assuming. Last year he was hurt. Um, so it's been okay. two years, but he did make it back to back years and, and going back three years now, Towns and Butler both made it, but Butler didn't play. He, he was just a, he just sat out. He was on the bench, didn't play. Uh, but Towns made it two years in a row and then has been hurt the last two years. I'd imagine if he was healthy last year or the first part of this year, he probably would have made it again. But um, yeah, it's been been three years. So the Timberwolves right now at the bottom of the NBA, Pistons not too far behind, I guess, three games heading into the break now before things get resuming here in the second half. Now, first off, uh, the Pistons haven't really been in this tanking situation, and I know that tanking is a loaded word, So, but we'll just say that for what it is right now just to kind of have some clarity here. And that's not to brag that the Pistons haven't been in the situation. They probably or, or they definitely should have been these last few years, but we're trying to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference in the eighth seed and all that stuff. But now that's not the reality of this season, which is a good thing for Pistons fans. But the Timberwolves – some years and and some years it's going well, but in other years it's not. But long story short, the Timberwolves have been in this 
at times, bottom of the NBA mix. How does it play with the fan base over there when you get to the second half of a season? And I know that you guys got Towns back and healthy now after missing a bunch of games. And Russell, give us please an update on that and what's going on there with him. New coach there as well. But for the Detroit fans, how does this kind of go with the second half of the season and really with losses being more valuable than wins at this point? Yeah, I mean, so last year was, um, you know, it, it was as expected. I mean, it, it was okay to, to lose the games down the stretch when I suppose it was weird because we didn't know it was down the stretch. The Wolves, of course, weren't in the bubble. Um, right. But, uh, you know, it wasn't a big deal because you figured, hey, they'll get a good pick, whatever. They had just traded for D'Angelo Russell and it was like, all right, you know, the Wolves have their two max contract guys in Russell and Towns and they've got, maybe they'll extend Malik Beasley, which of course they ended up signing him as a restricted free agent, re-signing him. Um, and so last year it was no big deal. And then when the Wolves won the lottery, it was awesome. And, and you know, it felt like, hey, there's there's still something being built. This year's really weird uh, because as you mentioned, Towns is back, Russell's out. And the two, and I've, I've said this on every podcast I've been on, I can't say it enough. <laughs> Russell and Towns have played together five times in the past 13 months since he was acquired. Um, five games together, three times this year. They've never played more than two games in a row together. So Towns, of course, was out with the wrist injury uh, for a while, then came back, played two games, uh, went and then had a positive COVID-19 test. Um, D'Angelo Russell, literally the week that Towns came back, Russell went down with a knee injury and he's out for another three to four weeks. They're hoping to get him back by the last week of March. Um, and so hopefully by the month of April, we'll get to see five, six weeks of Towns and Russell together. But layering on top of that is the fact that the Wolves only get their first round pick this year if it lands in the top three because it was part of the Wiggins uh, Russell trade. So the whole tanking thing, as you mentioned, it's a loaded it's a loaded concept. And there was this you know before Ryan Saunders was fired, there was this thought that you know maybe he was intentionally making some poor coaching decisions and some of these things. And obviously that wasn't entirely the case because he did get fired. Um, and it's it's like you know. I think at this point, the fan base certainly wants to see something. And I think the front office does too. I mean, Gerson Rosas, if he goes two straight years as the league's one of the bottom three teams in the league two years in a row, it's his job that starts to be in jeopardy. And so I think at this point, because if the pick lands in the top th- or if the Wolves are one of the three worst teams in the league, there's no guarantee they keep their pick. It's only a 40% chance. So um, I think at this point, it's all about getting Towns and Russell both back healthy, seeing what you have. And if you end up with the top three pick, great. Uh, but but you can't count on that. And, and so for that reason, I think it's in their best interest to keep winning games. And that's why the fan base is kind of in this weird place. It's like, you know, do you lose? Do you try and get Cade Cunningham? Do you try and get one of these other guys? Or, or um, but, but it's it's a roll of the dice either way. And so you guys are the, the flat lottery odds being what they are changes the perception of the of the Timberwolves compared to the Pistons where there's real motivation to be the worst team in the NBA because then you're guaranteed that top five pick when right. it seems like there's guys whereas you guys got to get lucky even even no matter what happens the rest of the regular season to get that lottery pick mm-hmm. and if you if you win a few games yeah you hurt your lottery odds a little bit but it's not so much so that it's the, the the right thing to do to intentionally lose games. So music to the ears of Pistons fans there reminding us about that uh, top three protected deal with the Golden State Warriors. But so for the Pistons fans and podcast hosts who are all into the losses right now for the Pistons, uh, what is what are some of the reasons that there's some hope that the Timberwolves will get some of those wins? I mean, is there a lot of belief that uh, there's a, a decent turnaround in store if Russell gets healthy and that this team could uh, get some wins here and there? I think so. Um, I mean, going way back, you mentioned the opener, the Wolves beat the Pistons in what was a, a pretty ugly game, but 
the Timberwolves won. And then two nights later, or three nights later, they went down to Utah and beat the Jazz and they were 2-0. and 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 I mean, that win looks even better now with Utah sitting with the league's best record. And um, it was a hard fought game down the stretch, you know, and, and that's when Towns hurt his wrist initially. And then they went on to lose like eight or nine straight after that. Um, but, you know, there's always that. So, so you hearken back to that, that 2-0 start, the win over the Jazz. You understand that Towns and Russell have only played five games together and they're two and three in those games. And, and the three that they lost were all close games. One was an overtime loss this year. Another was on the road at the Raptors last year. And um, so, so you figure... Hey, you know, Russell and Towns both in the lineup. This team's going to be, they're not the worst team in the league with those guys healthy. I mean, I guess that's the easiest way to say it. So that's, that's reason number one for hope. Um, the other thing that's interesting is the schedule right out of the all-star break. The first 10 games out of the break are against Western conference opponents. There's five straight games against teams that are in the top five in the West and Russell won't be back. Malik Beasley still has nine games left on his suspension that he just started serving due to his off season, um, off the court, his, his legal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so no Beasley, no Russell, they'd be lucky to win two of those 10 games. So they're going to dig themselves a further hole. But then you come out of that and you hopefully get Russell and Beasley back at the end of the month. And you've got your your big three, Russell, Beasley and Towns healthy. You've got your new coach, Chris Finch, now with six weeks under his belt and hopefully more than a couple of practices with the team at that point. Um and the schedule gets a lot easier. I mean, they've got Sacramento and Houston three times each. They haven't faced either Sacramento or Houston this year, two of the other bad teams in the West. They play they play Detroit again later this year. Um, so there Should are be a some... a good one. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so there's definitely some winnable games once we get past that. So, you know, the Wolves might go two and eight or one and nine or something out of the gate from the All-Star break. But Pistons fans, don't forget that when Russell comes back and Beasley comes back and the schedule lightens up, I do think the Wolves are incentivized to try and win down the stretch. There's a lot of people trying to save their jobs, players trying to save their roster spots. And uh, I do think this team will play better in April and May than they have over the past few weeks. And it's an interesting point that you make. And I love this uh, nuance and I love all these uh, variables that I don't think 538.com takes into account when they're putting all their numbers and projections together and all the other ESPN BPI that says, you know, the Wolves might be the worst team in the NBA by two or three games at the end of the year. Like you said, it's just those are things that can't be quantified by formulas right now at this point. And that uh, new coach who wants to string some wins together, a front office that might be playing for their jobs and, and, and uh, executiving for their jobs, I guess I should say. And it, you, interesting that you got Rosas running the running the show as when Ed Stefanski was hired here with the Pistons, he was a name that was involved in that process there. And of course, I think you guys still got Sashi and Gupta mm-hmm. yep. in the front office as well, who yep. came over from Detroit. So interesting ties there, but I want to hear the this, this scoop from you on Anthony Edwards. Uh, obviously we talked so much about the draft during the, uh, the delete as we called ourselves here about draft, 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 draft. So we all digested uh, Anthony Edwards. We've seen the dunk highlights. We've seen a couple of nice box scores for him, but by and large, how is he doing as a rookie compared to expectations that you had? I mean, I think he's right in line with what my expectations were, which was, as you mentioned, plenty of highlights, some nice gaudy scoring, you know, point totals. If you look at his game log, um, but pretty raw around the edges in almost every other way outside of those highlights and then some some inefficient high volume scoring. Um, he's shooting 30 percent on threes this year, but he's still shooting six a game. Um and far too often he's shooting kind of flat footed early shot clock jumpers when he should be attacking the rim. When he's attacking the rim, he's already pretty much unstoppable. Um, he's not drawing a lot of fouls. Part of that's 
him trying to avoid contact at times and, and also not going to the rim enough. And part of it is not getting calls as a rookie. I, quite honestly, I think he should be getting more foul calls. Um, but the biggest issue is the shot selection more than anything. Um, and then also occasionally, you know, just the effort on defense isn't always great, which we saw at the University of Georgia. And it was one of my concerns with him as a prospect. Uh, but when he has the ball in his hands and he's in isolation, he's he's actually, um, I, I don't know where he's at now, but the last time I looked a couple of weeks ago, he was top, you know, I think he was like, top 15th percentile, 85th percentile in the league in points per possession in isolation um, because he was getting downhill and getting to the rim. He's great coming off of dribble handoffs, getting downhill and getting to the rim. But when he's got the ball in his hands and he's having to make a decision in the pick and roll, or he has just made a three. And so he feels like, Hey, I'm hot. I'm going to shoot another three. That's when he gets himself into trouble. Um, I've actually been pretty impressed with his playmaking ability. And that wasn't something he did a lot of at Georgia. And part of that was due to a lack of talent around him. And he was the show at, at a team that I think finished under 500 in, in his only season there. Um, so there wasn't, you know, he was asked to do a lot of things that, that he shouldn't have been asked to do, or, or at least it was unfair to him to, to, to expect him to do all that. Um, whereas his assist rate, um, has been pretty good. And until recently, his turnovers were fairly low compared to his assist rate. And that's the easy comparison for him, for Timberwolves fans, at least is Andrew Wiggins, who is also the number one overall pick, you know, much hyped, lots of questions about his consistency on both ends of the floor. His jump shot looks good, but it didn't go in enough in college. A lot of comparisons to be made there, but he's actually looked the part in terms of a playmaker and, um, you know, driving and kicking and some of those things that Wiggins didn't do a ton of early in his career. So that encourages me. Um, It's just the inefficiency and and it's understanding how to play, especially in the pick and roll at the NBA level, uh, making decisions and then, and then shot selection. Um, But, but certainly, you know, in a vacuum, his season has not been good. You look at his number, you look at any of the advanced metrics, they're not good, but there are certainly positive things. And, and I, I do have hope that he's going to be a, you know, starting caliber type player in terms of his actual on-court production in the next year or two. All right, next, we're going to talk about the trade deadline. First, though, let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag using the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, let's get back to Matt Shook and I talking trade deadline. And um, I ask Matt about Pistons players who may be traded. We talk a little bit about what I think the Wolves might do at the deadline or what they may try and do. Are they buying, selling, et cetera? So let's go ahead and get back to Matt. Now, as we tape this a couple of weeks up until the March 25th trade deadline, and as you've kind of laid out for us, Ben, there's a lot of competing forces with this team right now. What do you expect from the trade deadline as Pistons kind of uh, fans kind of keep an eye on this team, for the Timberwolves, for obvious reasons for these next few months? What Are they buyers? Are there sellers? Or are there assets that can uh, end up getting some draft picks in the future? Or what's the what's the – the situation for the T-Wolves heading into March 25th. 
Yeah, I think they're somewhere in the middle, which which I would have said a year ago too. And then of course they ended up making like four deals in three weeks last year. Um, and and I think acquired like eight new players right before the deadline or right at mm-hmm. the deadline. I would say they're in a similar spot. They just have less movable pieces. Um, mm-hmm. They really only have Ed Davis as an expiring contract of any any weight. It's like a little over five million. Otherwise, Ricky Rubio's still got one more year in seventeen million, so he could be on the move if there's a contender looking for uh, some point guard depth. Um, but they don't have very many tradable pieces that they're going to be really willing to trade. I'd keep an eye on Jarrett Culver and Josh Akogi, who both were first round picks. Culver last year, Akogi, um, two years ago, I guess. And um, both are defense first guys who don't do much offensively, and um, but they still have some upside. And so the Wolves, as they're looking to to save a little bit of cap space, make some moves to, to uh, you know, accelerate this. It's so weird that they're the worst team in the league with both Russell and Towns because you they would say that they've got their two best players already. You're just trying to find the pieces that can kind of kind of get this thing from where it is to somewhere resembling a playoff team. And so there's lots of names out there that the Wolves have been rumored to be interested in from um, from Larry Nance with the Cavs to Aaron Gordon has been a name now for over a year. They've been talked about John Collins with the Hawks, all kind of power forward type guys who can guard multiple positions and, and add something offensively to this team and, and slot in well next to Towns. So I think they're going to be in the mix for some of those guys. They're just not in a position to give up any draft picks. And, and um, you know, unless you're talking about Culver and Okogie are probably in that sweet spot of their contracts are big enough to make a difference. They might have some value to a contender in terms of perimeter defense and some value to non-contenders in terms of some upside. So whether it's the Magic or the Cavs or, or one of those teams, whether it's Aaron Gordon or Larry Nance, those are players who could get moved along with a future pick. Um, so I, I would be surprised if the Wolves did nothing. I would also be surprised if they were able to to land one of those aforementioned big guys who, you know, everybody's after because they're available. I think it's more likely they do something on the margins and trade somebody like a Culver and a Kogi, you know, basically shuffle some deck chairs, but hopefully um, maintain some flexibility moving forward, going towards the off season. Well, I know Pistons fans are rooting for Nance or uh, Aaron Gordon to end up with the Timberwolves the rest of the season, especially be, be decent moves for them to get, uh, you know, a third guy and add that to Beasley there in that starting lineup and to really have a, a nice, group going forward into next year unfortunately they've dug themselves a, a big enough hole where yeah you're looking for some moral victories and some victories because of the the draft situation but maybe the uh, the western conference is going to be too tough but re- good reasons to be optimistic at the beginning of next year and maybe you do get lucky in the lottery as well so it's uh wow it, it's a lot to digest right with the with the timberwolves just uh kind of don't know whether you're buyers and sellers probably think it's good to win a bunch of games in the second half, but probably don't see much of a ceiling there. It's got to be strange times for the fan base and the the host of the the Lockdown Timberwolves podcast too these days, huh? You're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, this is a team coming into the year that worst case figured to be in the mix for the, for the playing games in the West ninth or 10th. Um, you figured, Hey, they're going to be better than Sacramento. They're going to be better than, you know, if, if Houston trades Harden and, and they're gonna be better than, you know, there, there were several teams that you thought they'd be in the conversation at least with the nine and 10 spot. Um, but the injuries and the bad luck and the bad coaching and, um, some, some guys just kind of underperforming Culver never made a leap. It's just, just in this weird kind of perpetual state of we're not rebuilding because we have Carl Anthony towns and we still think he's the guy. And, and for good reason yet we're in no way contending because, because this team is last in the league in, in terms of record. And so it's, you, you have to talk yourself into, if you're the Timberwolves, like what do we really have 
the type of talent to get us to the playoffs? Is it really all of the other pieces? Um, and you take every team's best player away from them for two thirds of the season and they're going to struggle, but the Wolves won like three games with him out. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it was beyond struggling and Ryan Saunders was the one who, who caught the brunt of that and was fired. So, it, I mean, from now on through the rest of the season, the Timberwolves are going to try and win. And if they can stay healthy and, and, you know, play 500 ish basketball, which I don't think is too much to ask if they've got a healthy roster and it better not be if it is, then they've got bigger issues, but if they can play 500 ish ball in April and May, then, then I think that there's, there's some hope that this team could once again, kind of make some moves on the, on the, on the fringes and, and, um, and also maybe one or two bigger moves here and there to, to try and be in the playoff conversation next year. Otherwise, you know, you, you start looking at a complete rebuild and that's not something Timberwolves fans want to hear because, uh, I mean, one playoff appearance in 17 years now is, uh, I mean, this is a perpetual rebuild. So nobody wants to hear uh, about a teardown and, and a rebuild again. Well, we're rooting for a 500 type of ball for the Minnesota Timberwolves the rest of the season here in Detroit as that would help out the draft position and the lottery odds. For Detroit, May 11th at Little Caesars Arena against the Minnesota Timberwolves in the third to last game of the year. Maybe it might mean nothing, but it might mean something big for one or both of these teams, especially looking at the draft situation. A lot to digest with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I'm glad we got this primer here from Ben Beacon of Lockdown T-Wolves to kind of give us the insight of what's going on. Anything else, Ben, that uh, pops into your mind that fans should know? I don't think so. Is there any reason the Pistons might make some some noise at the trade deadline? Do you think that they're going to be out there making any sort of a move? Yeah, there's not a lot of assets out there that other teams are going to want. And I think that Jeremy Grant is the one potential player that could get something and would get something if he was available. I think that the two sides of whoever's going to covet Jeremy Grant and what the Pistons value at him, him at is going to be quite a bit different just because – you know, Grant signed a three-year deal here, and a lot of people laughed at it, myself included to some extent, about the value of the contract, but he's overplayed that so far this year as the best player on the Pistons by a lot. And uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that and, – and we don't get free agents to sign here in Detroit willingly all that often. So when someone gives a three-year commitment, he's only 27 years old. I think this week he turns 27. So uh, there's a reason to believe that he could be your second or third or, or – you know, uh, definitely a contributor, uh, best player in what might be a, a decent carnation of the Pistons team in a couple years here. So I think there's reason to believe that he'll be a, a building block and that uh, you know he gave this commitment to the city of Detroit and uh, this front office and this coaching staff. So I think he stays. But other than that, you got some minor pieces. You got Wayne Ellington as a three-point shooter who's on a minimum contract. So you yeah. could think you might get a scrap for him. But uh, And then the other interesting names – are the two players who were left from last year's team at this point, and that's Vima Kailuk and uh, Sekou Dumbuya, who were guys that were brought in from the previous regime. And Troy Weaver comes in as the general manager, has made all sorts of changes, has shuffled up this roster completely. Blake Griffin now officially gone as he took the buyout on Friday from Detroit. So this is a whole different team, but I don't know how much you follow the Pistons, and you probably don't because why would you? But it's an energy team, and it looks like they're losing a lot of games, which is a positive thing at this point, but they're playing more like Pistons basketball. These are rookies and young guys who are getting after it, who bring energy every night, 
and uh, they're kind of checking all the boxes so far in what people are calling like a, a pretty successful rebuild and that you're losing and losing and losing, but you're competitive, entertaining, and there's a pretty decent culture there every night. So the results haven't been there, and they shouldn't be there and probably won't be there next year either, but a couple years from now with some lottery luck, with some good drafting and some good decisions in the front office, this could be a team to watch in a couple years. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, the, uh, the, the Timberwolves are, you could say a lot, of the same things about the Townsless Wolves and now also the Russellless Wolves because you're getting guys that are maybe outperforming expectations like a Jared Vanderbilt who they got kind of as almost as a throw in in that big trade with the Nuggets last year with Beasley, mm-hmm. um, and, and you're seeing a second round pick from last year like Jalen Noel or the second of their first round picks this year. I guess I guess technically the third of their first of their first round picks this year in Jade McDaniel's, and they're all you know they're playing hard and they're mostly playing well um, you know given the circumstances, but expectations were higher coming into the year. And, um, you know, the perspective is a lot different, I think with, with the Timberwolves right now, because any, you know, a couple of those guys are probably going to be around if this team's good next year, but they're going to be fringe rotation guys and not starters and not guys being relied on on a nightly basis. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant was another one of those names that the Timberwolves were interested in, in the off season and, and they were, I mean, he would have been a perfect fit next to Carl Anthony Towns and, and good to see that he has performed up to and, and past the uh, the expectations based on the contract because um, there were a lot of people, you're right, that thought it was an overpay. And, and I know Timberwolves fans were a little disappointed he didn't end up in Minnesota. So it's been good to see him from afar have a good season. Yeah, there are some definitely some positives here in Pistons land. I think every, you, you ask Pistons fans, even though you know this isn't a team that's contending for a playoff spot, they'd rather have this situation right now. And it's, it's probably 10 out of 10 if you ask 10 fans. They'd rather have a little bit of a step back in the standings and some hope and some grit and determination from guys like Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bey and, uh, and, and Josh Jackson and Jeremy Grant and some of these young guys that have been exciting for the Detroit Pistons. So that's a, a positive thing as well. You guys know about Dwayne Casey there in Minnesota too, yep. and, and he's the guy directing this team right now. What about uh, the new coach, Chris Finch? What What is uh, the – I know it's too hard. Too, you can't really make any um, – judgments so far but what's the what's the idea of him as a first-time head coach and, and what do you hope to see from from his acumen going forward yeah I mean he's 0-5 to this point but that's obviously not his fault I think he's had two practices pre-all-star break now he'll obviously get a chance to get a couple more in here before uh they start play later this week but um I mean, much has been said about, and I talked to Adam Morris from Locked On Nuggets about this a couple of weeks ago. Finch was the uh, associate head coach there when Jokic had his breakout year, I think in 17, 18, maybe 16, 17. Um, and, I, you know, Towns is going to play more in the post. He's going to play more in a, in a playmaking role, similar to what Jokic does in Denver. Um, he's not the passer that Jokic is, but he is still probably a top five passing big man in the league. And it's, it's finding the best way to play off of Towns. And we haven't, you know, he hasn't gotten to coach D'Angelo Russell yet. He's coached Beasley twice with Towns, but without Russell. So how is he going to get those three dynamic offensive players to work together in his offensive system? And it, I think that's fascinating and something he's done throughout his career when he was the associate head coach in New Orleans, when they had Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, and then also in Toronto this year as an assistant, he's every team he's gone to, the offense has improved almost immediately. And, and so there's it, that that is why he's in Minnesota, and then he's got a history with Gerson Rosas. They were both in the G League at the same time uh, with the Rockets. But um, yeah, I mean, to this point, it's so hard to say. The offense has definitely changed a little, but how much can you really implement on the fly in the middle of the season without your best, your your, your full complement of best players? So I have high hopes for Finch. Um, he's going to get 
you know, the, obviously the rest of this year and at least another year, as long as Rosas is around to, to see what he can do with this talent. But the biggest thing to me is what he's, is he going to be able to take towns from a really, really good superstar to like next level MVP caliber superstar and, and get him to continue to compete defensively in some of those things. But, um, I think we'll know a lot more when the season's over, assuming that, uh, that Beasley and, and Russell and everybody gets back healthy and gets a chance to play. Other things for Timberwolves fans to keep an eye on with the Pistons is uh, the possibilities, less so of uh, being traded, but you know a Mason Plumlee or a DeLon Wright possibility of them getting traded, and not that those guys are going to change the course of the NBA season for contenders, but nice bench pieces that could help out some teams. But those are not expiring contracts, and it seems like a difficult decision for Troy Weaver to take you know, a second round pick back for guys that are part of the culture and part of the fabric. So not big assets in and of themselves and uh, maybe more valuable to a Pistons team, but if they want to make a, a tanking type of decision and collect a little bit of an asset and clear the books and possibly clear roster spots and minutes for players such as Cade Cunningham, if in uh, DeLon Wright's case, or maybe Evan Mobley in Mason Plumley's case, if you're looking that far ahead, that might be a consideration for the Pistons as well. And then also on the win-loss situation, <laughs> however this plays out, uh, Killian Hayes, who only played seven games. Uh, the Timberwolves saw him in his NBA debut on opening night, but uh, hasn't played much since then, went down with a hip injury. But he's uh, could be coming back. You know, It could be a couple more weeks, but uh, it's a hip thing that they really haven't tested out all that much. He had to kind of be off of it pretty much for a while. So um, probably more than a couple weeks. But I think the expectation and the hope is that he gets a couple couple few weeks of NBA basketball under his belt if he's healthy at the end of this year. Now, he played so poorly at the beginning of the season that that might be something that helps contribute to losses, but maybe he plays a little bit better and, and helps turn things around and has a good taste in his mouth heading into year two as a Project 19-year-old that uh, hopefully everyone has a little bit of patience with, understandably so, and uh, that could impact the Pistons the rest of the way as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I was a big Killian Hayes fan in the in the draft process and wanted the Wolves to take a look at him if they traded back. Um, so definitely disappointing to see him struggle early and then get hurt. And and hopefully he does get a chance to get back and play. And I'd love to see him play the Wolves in that in that game in May, which really, I mean, that's that could be like the Wolves Pistons Super Bowl this year for both teams oh, yeah. once it gets Looking down to it. to it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you and I will be uh, go up and go against each other in the backcourt there if uh, if the uh, the tank is is complete for both teams. I'm in. Uh, I like that. <laughs> sounds good. Ben Beacon, uh, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, good to get some perspective on what's going on with the team that we've kept an eye on all season. Locked on T Wolves. Check him out there. And I know that Pistons fans will continue to keep an eye on this team until hopefully they get a nice little winning streak together, win six of eight and get themselves out of the bottom of the NBA. I think both fan bases would be pretty happy about that. And uh, looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. Sounds great. Likewise. Appreciate it, Matt. And there you have it. Yours truly and Matt Shook of Locked On Pistons. Um, be sure to check out Locked On Pistons if you want to catch up on the other, um, well, I guess they've won 10 games now, but the other seller dweller team in the NBA. The Wolves do play the Pistons, as we alluded to, near the end of the season. So that will be interesting. Of course, no more Blake Griffin in Detroit now that he has been bought out and moved on to Brooklyn. Um, but still interesting to see, you know, if Killian Hayes gets back on the court, you know, what happens with with Detroit, what happens with old friend Dwayne Casey. Of course, Derek Rose isn't there anymore either. Um, but still an interesting franchise to kind of keep tabs on with with some of the 
the uh, the ties to Minnesota that they've had over the past couple of years. Wayne Ellington as well, obviously, um, on that roster, a, a former Timberwolves first round pick. So uh, be sure to check out Lockdown Pistons and uh, the rest of the week here on Lockdown Wolves will get you ready for the second half. Um, I'll, I'll give some predictions on Wednesday's show for the second half of the season. And then Thursday, we'll preview Wolves Pelicans on Thursday night. It's been a little over a week since we've got to talk about actual Wolves basketball. So we'll get ahead of that. We'll see if anything comes out of Wolves practice this week with Chris Finch. Finally getting a chance to get on the court with his players for a couple days in a row. Um, and hopefully, you know, at least two, if not three practices over the course of the last week since they played last Wednesday. So um, we'll talk all things Wolves Pelicans, peek ahead to the second half. All that's upcoming this week at Locked on Wolves. Otherwise, that's all we have for you today here on the show. Be sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. You can do that anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts, including, of course, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, etc. Also, if you're so inclined, please help us out with a positive review on iTunes. Definitely helps us get in front of more folks. Um, and then also a reminder, you can follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the, the T and also at B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K, E-N. One more reminder, today's show was brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.